The views and opinions expressed on the advice line are not necessarily those of the station, the sponsor, or your host. Advice is provided for informational purposes only. Advice line appearances are paid for by the participant. Hey, welcome once again to our continuing series about your health with the experts from Summa Health here in Akron. Now, May is National Stroke Awareness Month. According to the American Heart Association, stroke is the fifth leading cause of death here in the United States, where every 40 seconds someone has a stroke. Strokes impact more than 795,000 people every year. Joining us today on our live line is Dr. Medea Hepburn, who is medical director of neurocritical care at Summa Health's Neuroscience Institute. Dr. Hepburn is board certified in psychiatry and neurology and specializes in neurocritical care. Uh, Dr. Hepburn, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me this morning. Now, now, Doctor, uh, start by explaining to us exactly what a stroke is. Yeah, sure. So simply put, a stroke is damage to the brain caused by some interruption of the blood supply to the brain. And that can happen when either something is blocking off that, that blood supply or when a blood vessel in the brain bursts. Now, uh, in a stroke, uh, in either case, can it damage the brain? Can it cause a, you know, ex- extensive damage to the point where even somebody could die? Oh, that, that is absolutely correct. So the part of the brain that becomes affected is the part that loses its blood supply, and it can cause lasting brain damage. Long-term disability is one of the leading causes of disability in North America, or even death. Now, what does the phrase TIA refer to when we talk about strokes? Sure. The word TIA, um, or sometimes referred to as mini stroke or little stroke, is basically, the best way I can put it, I like to tell my patients, it's a stroke that was trying to happen, but it passed on its own. So it didn't quite happen. Um, So that blockage that was there temporarily suddenly opens up on its own, and you only have symptoms for a very short period of time, usually less than 24 hours. But we don't like to use the word mini stroke or little stroke stroke uh, because it almost makes it seem as if a TIA is, is you know, kind of like a, you know, kind of like a, a small thing. At the end of the day, a TIA is just like a real stroke and gives you the same risk factors and same risk of uh, damage. So what happens to the brain during a stroke? Sure. So, you know, the brain, you know, just like if you think about it, your brain needs oxygen and, and oxygen is in your is in your blood. So basically, if something happens that blocks the flow of the brain to the of blood to the brain, then those brain cells, they're kind of greedy. They really start to die within minutes, um, you know, because they can't get any oxygen. And if they can't get oxygen, they don't get enough blood supply, the parts of the brain that normally controls our movements or our talking, understanding, you know, basically becomes, you know, non-functional. And until we can relieve that blockage or that blockage passes on its own, you're going to have those symptoms. Now, are all strokes the same or are there different kinds of strokes? Yeah. So there are two main types of strokes. Uh, the most common one is something we call a long word called ischemic strokes. And that's basically what happens when uh, there's like a, something like a clot or a cholesterol plaque that blocks the supply of blood to the, to the brain. Um, and that's about 80% of all strokes. The smaller proportion are called hemorrhagic strokes, and although they're the smaller portion, they, sometimes they can be more severe. And they happen when there basically is a blood vessel in the brain that bursts, and it causes bleeding into the brain. So what causes the, the damage, if you will, during this uh, most serious of the strokes, the ischemic stroke? Yeah. So the majority of the damage is caused because, you know, it can, because essentially over time, the blood vessels start to get narrowed. And, you know, and as they narrow, 
the risk of basically them getting blocked off or a piece of uh, a piece of what we call a clot flying through there and going up to the brain and getting stuck there and causing you know a stroke, um, you know it becomes much higher. And so once that happens, that part of the brain, you know, is essentially uh, essentially damaged. Now you can recover from that stroke, but it does take time and therapy in order to rewire that. Where do these blood clots come from? Well, they come from a couple places. No, um, so um, basically, as as we all get older, our arteries become narrower, and you know that's because um, that's because essentially we can uh, the conditions that we have may accumulate this uh, narrowing and what we call plaque or cholesterol, and those are things like smoking, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, and when that happens, those things are kind of unstable, and every now and then one will break off and fly up to the brain. The other the other very common cause of these blood clots are is something called atrial fibrillation, which is a type of irregular heartbeat. And this can cause uh, blood clots in the heart that break apart. And, you know, everything is all one one closed loop. So even if something's in the heart, it goes into the bloodstream and it goes up to the same pipes and enters the brain and cuts off the blood, blood supply there. Now, what would a hemorrhagic stroke be? Yeah, so, you know, the hemorrhagic stroke is kind of the same thing as ischemic stroke in that it can be anywhere in the brain because those blood vessels, those pipes, they supply our entire brain on both sides. And in this case, what happens is that a blood vessel inside the inside the brain bursts, and usually that's because of very high blood pressure um, or uh, diabetes or cholesterol over time, which, you know, weakens your, your, your blood vessel walls, or if you have something like what we call an aneurysm, which is kind of like a slow-growing weakness of the wall that all of a sudden just bursts, and then there's blood in the brain suddenly. Now, these are blood vessels. What causes them to uh, become malformed? Yeah, so, you know, there are some there's there are things that we can control and things that we can't control. So the things that we can't control of, that causes the blood vessels to become malformed are things like essentially getting older, um, also your genetics, like if, if if one person in your family has an aneurysm in the brain, you're more likely to have uh, other members of the family are also more likely to have the same aneurysms. Um, so those are things that you can't change, you know. Um, also, you know, strokes are more common in, in women than men. Um, and, you know, these are things that we, we, we can't change about ourselves. Um, however, uh, the things that we can change are the things are like smoking, which can injure the blood vessels, uh, high blood pressure, um, uh, obesity, uh, high cholesterol level, and uh, essentially, you know, taking in excess alcohol as well. All of those things over time damage our blood vessels, and those are things that we can address. Now, this is a Stroke Awareness Month in the month of May, so how yeah. can somebody recognize a stroke? Sure. Um, you know, I just want people to remember the, the saying, be fast. And this is an acronym that we use at SUMA to help people remember the signs and symptoms of a stroke. Because at the end of the day, it's up to not only us to recognize the signs and symptoms of a stroke, but also the family members and, you know, persons even on the, on the street to be able to recognize that something's happening. And so B is for balance. And does the patient have a sudden loss of balance? E is for eyes. Has the person suddenly lost vision in one or both eyes? F is for the face. You know, does the face, the person's face look uneven or droopy? And this is why, you know, even uh, persons on the outside looking in will need to know about this so they can recognize it in their loved ones. And A is arm. Is one side of the, is one arm weaker than the other? Um, and S is for speech. Is the person's speech slurred 
or are they having trouble? Do they look, seem confused? And T is always for time. Call 911 right away because time is brain. And you should always call 911 right away for signs or symptoms of stroke uh, because it helps to activate a system where we can basically get stroke patients to the places where they need to be as quick as possible. Now, is there anything we could do, like first aid, when someone is having a stroke that could help them with that? Well, the, the first thing is to make sure that they are safe. So if they've suddenly lost uh, lost strength on one side of the body, you make sure that you, you know, lower them gently to the ground. And, of course, you know, call, uh, call 911 immediately. Once again, we're talking to the experts from Summa Health, Dr. Medea Hepburn, who is the medical director of the neurocritical care at Summa Health Neuroscience Institute, also a board certified in psychiatry, neurology, and specializing in neurocritical care, talking about, about strokes. So uh, once again, let's talk about who's at risk for having a stroke. Are some people more at risk than others would be? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, again, you know, uh, uh, about about two-thirds of all patients with strokes uh, occur in persons over the age of 65. But that being said, we are noticing that uh, there are a lot more strokes happening in younger and younger persons because even younger persons um, have the same risk factors, you know, in terms of high blood pressure, diabetes, um, being, uh, being, uh, um, being overweight, uh, high cholesterol, smoking, et cetera. Those, 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 uh, those medical conditions are actually happening younger and younger in patients, in persons. Uh, so age is definitely one thing that can, you know, that can increase your risk, um, as well as basically uh, family history. I said persons who had a parent or a sibling who's had a stroke are at another risk of stroke. And having diabetes, having just, just having diabetes alone, you know, triples a person's risk for having a stroke. It's a, it's a really important risk factor to recognize, to recognize and to modify. What about things like gender or, or again, family uh, uh, history, where you come from? Sure. Um, so, yeah, in terms of gender, there, um, the incidence of stroke is slightly higher in women than men. And it's also it's, it's kind of also interesting that oftentimes women, they present a little bit more differently um, than men. Uh, so sometimes women are not recognized for the strokes they're having because their symptoms may be a little bit more atypical. So even if you do feel, you know, you're, you're unsure, it's best to call 911 if you think that you, if you think of yourself or your loved one is having a stroke. Um, in terms of ethnicity, there are certain ethnicities that have um, that have a, a, a predisposition to uh, increased risk of stroke, but it's more related to that that certain certain medical conditions are more common in different groups. For example, certain certain ethnicities they're more commonly to have very high cholesterol, um, and that's uh, that's something that you know needs to be that can be modified in some ways, but some ways cannot be changed. And having those uh, those additional risk factors increases the risk of stroke. Now, what what factors uh, for risk stroke risk can we control that we yeah. might have? Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, one of the main thing is, you know, is lack of exercise. Uh, you know, we, you know, we, we, we tend to be quite uh, sedentary sometimes, especially in the winter when it's very cold here in, in Akron. But now that the summer is coming, we really would like people to, you know, to start to, you know, add exercise back to their back to their lifestyle and even something as simple as 30 to 40 minutes of walking you know four to five times a week um, just just walking can help to reduce your your risk of stroke 
in addition to that, you know, basically, you know, everything in moderation. So, you know, cutting back on the use of alcohol and smoking, you know, is very is a very uh, strong uh, risk factor for stroke. And, you know, getting on, you know, getting on a, a smoking smoking cessation program, you know, through your primary care doctor is going to be very helpful in the long run to reduce your risk of stroke. And then once you, as we're talking about diet and exercise, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, changing our diet will help to control things like high cholesterol, um, you know, help to have our diabetes under control in addition to the, the you know, the typical medications. Now, we talked about atrial fibrillation and a regular heartbeat as being a risk factor for stroke. How can that be treated? Yeah. So atrial fibrillation is a risk factor for stroke. So first, it has to be recognized. And once it's recognized, there are two things. One, uh, is that those persons um, need to be placed on a form of blood thinner, not just aspirin. So atrial fibrillation is a very strong risk factor for stroke, and so we need to put them on a uh, those with atrial fibrillation and high risk of stroke need to be placed on what we call a you know a more a, basically a stronger blood thinner, and they take that every day, and that keeps the blood thinner, which uh, prevents the clots from building up inside the heart and and going to the brain. Now, can they, your heart be put back into a regular rhythm at some point? Yeah, a heart, your heart can be put back into a regular rhythm in some cases, although you still will need to be on blood thinners for some, for some portion of time. And that's why it's really important to have, you know, to have access, to have uh, interaction with all members of the medical team. So your primary care doctor who may actually discover your AFib, and then, you know, coordination with a cardiologist and also, you know, a neurologist um, can, really help, uh, can really help persons, you know, uh, reduce the risk of stroke. We also talked about excessive alcohol intake as being a risk factor for stroke. What's defined as excessive? Right. So defined the excessive is defined based on upon whether you're a woman or a man because of uh, because of essentially your your weight. <laughs> and so excess uh, alcohol intake for men is probably going to be more than uh, two to three units, uh, which is basically a unit is a single serving of alcohol, like basically like a, and there, you can look it up. It's like one beer, one glass of wine, et cetera. If you're drinking more than two to three glasses, um, two to three units of alcohol per day, um, that is going to be uh, excess for um, for a for a male. And for women, one to one and a half units per day, more than that would be excess as well. Define what uh, carotid stenosis is and how that may affect uh, a risk for stroke. Sure. Now we talked about we talked about earlier in the in the show we talked about narrowing of those arteries. Those are the big pipes that supply your your brain, and th- that's what the carotids are. The carotids are on either side of your neck, and these are the large pipes that supply a large amount of brain, a large amount of blood to the brain. Now, if you have uncontrolled high blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol, they can actually accumulate this thing we call cholesterol plaque, and it forms on the inside of the blood vessel of the carotid. And as that forms, it kind of narrows it down and actually stops or decrease blood flow to that side of the brain and puts you at risk for more of those little little plaques and cholesterol just you know, breaking off and going up and causing a stroke on that side. And what about other kinds of uh, drug use, especially drugs that are considered to be uh, either very damaging or, or illegal? Oh, sure. Yeah, and uh, the, the main drugs that, uh, that are of concern when, as related to, to strokes are drugs that also cause narrowing of blood vessels. So just like how over time high blood pressure and diabetes can narrow your blood, pre- your blood vessels, um, uh, um, Drugs such as cocaine and amphetamines or methamphetamines, they are very, very powerful um, vessel narrowings. 
a narrowing. And so therefore, um, you can actually have, even young person may actually have a very sudden stroke if they utilize these uh, these drugs of abuse and suddenly they have, you know, narrowing and tightening of all their vessels and reduction of blood flow to the brain. Are there certain over-the-counter drugs that should be avoided by people who are at risk for stroke? Uh, so, you know, there's not a lot of over-the-counter drugs that could be that needs to be avoided. I would I would recommend caution in terms of there are some over-the-counter like uh, natural or herbal supplements which purport to be uh, blood thinning, um, and if you're using those blood thinning herbal medications, which are kind of um, uh, not not well regulated, so you really don't know the amount that you're getting, um, along with you know aspirin or any other blood thinner, you're at a higher risk of bleeding, and then also persons who have very high blood pressure or heart disease, sometimes there are uh, cold medications that might cause you to have that same narrowing effect. But if you really, but if you talk to your primary care doctor, they'll be able to um, give you the, give you a, a, a medication that will not be so potent to your blood vessels. So after we have a stroke, how are strokes treated? Yeah. So, you know, actually treatment of strokes happen even before, uh, you have to start with when the stroke is happening. And so that's a part of it, like recognizing and saying, hey, time is brain, because strokes happen very suddenly. And the treatment that we need to administer needs to be done as quickly as possible. So we have a medication um, called the clot buster. It's called, we use one called tenecteplase here at SUMA. And we can give that to persons who present within about four and a half hours of the onset of symptoms. And that can really break up the clot that's causing the stroke and really has, you know, changed people's lives and, you know, and, and improved recovery. Uh, in addition to that, here at SUMA, being, being a certified comprehensive stroke center, uh, we have the ability um, to handle the, you know, the, the most severe cases of stroke. And we also have the ability that if that clot is so large, we have specialists who can go in and take out that clot directly and restore blood flow to the brain. Now, of course, you just say rapidity and quickness is the is the best way to save somebody from extensive stroke damage. So, is always calling nine one one the the best way? Or if you have a again a loved one that's having a stroke, should we try to run into the emergency room ourselves? Yeah, no, it's it's really really important to call nine one one right away because our EMS squads in this in this area of Northeast Ohio they are highly trained in order to recognize the signs of symptoms of stroke and also based upon the severity of the of what they're seeing they will have the best uh, knowledge of how to get you to the best hospital possible to help you for the advanced for uh, if you need advanced stroke care and so it is always better to call nine one one and let them basically. Uh, get to you and then get you to where you need to be as soon as possible because not all hospital not all medical centers are certified stroke centers now here in Akron of course Summa Health Akron campus is a certified comprehensive stroke center as designated by the Joint Commission in collaboration with the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association so what does it mean to be a comprehensive stroke center why is it important for people to be aware of it yeah and what's important to be aware of is that you know just like 
just like there are different grocery stores that may have different items, <laughs> uh, I kind of put it as uh, as specialty items. Uh, Summa Health, being a comprehensive stroke center, you know, has the highest level of the specialty items, which basically means that we can take care of the most severe kinds of uh, of stroke and provide gold standard stroke care. And basically, at the end of the day, we have many. Uh, we work together as a large team in order to be able to provide this service to our community uh, in collaboration, of course, with other specialists here at Suma Health. I understand Suma Health in the Akron campus was named one of HealthGrade's America's 100 Best Hospitals for Stroke Care. Uh, yes, it was. And in fact, it actually was named uh, one of HealthGrade's America's 100 Best Hospitals for Stroke Care for the fourth year in a row. So we are very proud um, to work together here at uh, here at Suma Health Akron campus to, you know, to serve the needs of our community here in Northeast Ohio. Once again, we're talking to Dr. Madia Hepburn of Suma Health about strokes here in Stroke Awareness Month, final days of that here in the month of May. Now, if the stroke has caused damage to someone and has caused brain damage, what are the procedures to try to rehabilitate that person? And what are the success rates of some of those procedures? Sure. Yeah, so, you know, um, strokes, sometimes they're so severe up front that you're, and they happen so suddenly that, you know, family members are almost, they're, they're shocked. But once we get through that, uh, that uh, early phase, we you know we give the treatment that we can. After that, next comes next will come the rehabilitation phase. So although that area of the brain is damaged, regardless of your age, you're always there's always ability for what we call the brain to uh, we call it plasticity, essentially to rewire itself and basically recover some of that function. Now, it doesn't happen right overnight and doesn't happen in the first week, but persons with stroke can have improvement very quickly in the first three months, and they continue to improve with, you know, with stroke-focused rehabilitation um, up to 12 months after the initial stroke. Now, is the TIA type of stroke that we talked about, is that the less serious of all the types of strokes that one can recover from? No, I, you know, I, I, I would urge people to not think of it as less serious. I would urge people to think of it as a type of stroke. Now, it is a type of stroke where the, uh, where the neurological problems or the, you know, the disability, it's only short-lasting, as in it lasts less than 24 hours, and the person, quote-unquote, goes back to their, their normal self, as in they had some weakness, now the weakness is better. But I wouldn't think of it as a as a less severe type of stroke. I almost think of it as just a different type because at the end of the day, it's basically almost like a wake-up call or a warning sign because persons who've had a TIA, they still have a very high chance of another TIA or larger stroke in the next, in the next 30, 60, and 90 days. So TIA still needs to be still need to have attention to, and we still need to, you know, work together to treat them and to help prevent persons from having a more severe kind of stroke down the line. You mentioned uh, blood thinners as being a very effective way to try to prevent future strokes. So if someone has had a stroke, even a, even a, a TIA or any other kind of different mm-hmm. kind of stroke, does that mean they're going to have to be on blood thinners? Yeah, and we use blood thinners kind of, uh, kind of, uh, kind of generally. But in general, the 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 thing I tell my patients uh, in aspirin a day keeps the stroke doctor away. So they need to have you know aspirin, and aspirin is kind of the basic uh, medication that can make the blood cells slippery and help prevent another stroke. Uh, as long as you don't you don't have atrial fibrillation. Uh, but either way, you know you person once you've had one stroke, your risk of stroke 
life for the rest of your life is much higher than the average population. So yes, you should stay not only on your blood thinner, but also, you know, also medications that help lower your cholesterol, treat your blood pressure um, or diabetes uh, or, or any of the other comorbidities that are, increase the risk of stroke. What are some of the other medications that are used for blood thinners? Sure. Um, the other, there's another medication called clopidogrel. I kind of I kind of explain to my patients that it's like uh, aspirin's bigger brother. And sometimes even for TIAs, because the risk of another stroke or another TIA is so high, we even sometimes give them both the aspirin and the Plavix for a short period of time in that in that uh, first 30 days, which is a high, very high risk period. Um, so you know, so th- those are the two main blood thinners. And then when we talk about blood thinners related to the atrial fibrillation, the one that causes the clots to build up, those are those are um, have uh, several different names, and there are different many different types of them. And you know the the best uh, blood thinner for you will be you know would be something that you can discuss with your you know with your primary care provider you know or your neurologist or your cardiologist. Now you're also board certified in psychiatry. So what are the psychological impacts of someone who has suffered a stroke? Well, I'm actually, it's, it's interesting. I'm actually certified in neurology, um, but we, we do have a psychiatry component to our training. But the, the main things about, the main things about stroke is that uh, it, it is a, it's a change in your state of being, a very sudden change, as in you were working, talking, walking one, one minute, then all of a sudden you have, you know, you have new weakness, you have new changes in your memory, new change in your ability to communicate. And so depression, you know, depression is, is, a, is a very real consequence of stroke. And so, you know, we here at SUMA Health, you know, we're, we are, you know, not only collaborative, but a part of your stroke management and stroke screening when you come in for a stroke is to basically look for signs and symptoms of depression and so that we can, you know, we can recognize these and, and help the person the best that we can. So once again, Dr. Hepburn, uh, go over that BFAST acronym to uh, help people remember the signs and symptoms of stroke. <laughs> so B, B fast, as in time is brain, B fast, call 911. Uh, but B for balance, are they suddenly all, all of a sudden like wobbly and falling down? Uh, uh, e is for eyes, have they lost vision in one or both eyes? Uh, even if it's just loss of vision or blurry vision, double vision. F is for the face, does one of the side of the face look droopy or uneven. A is for arm, is one arm, is one arm hanging down, and S is for speech. Has the pe- person's speech suddenly changed? Is it slurred, hard to understand? Does the patient have trouble uh, understanding you or speaking or even seem confused? And T, as we all emphasize, is for time. Call 911 right away um, so that we can help get you to where you need to be to manage the stroke. So in the closing moments, uh, Dr. Hepper, anything else you'd like to say about the uh, Summa Health Stroke Center? Oh, I would like to say that here at Summa Health Stroke Center, it is such a wonderful environment. We are collaborative, and we work together as a team to take care of everybody in this community in once, all stages of this stroke. Once again, Dr. Medea Hepburn is Medical Director of Neurocritical Care at Summa Health Neuroscience Institute and part of Summa Health Stroke Center. If you'd like more information, you can do it online by going to sumahealth.org forward slash brain or you can call them to make an appointment at 330-375-7055, 330-375-7055. Dr. Hepburn, who would best benefit from making an appointment directly with the center? 
Oh, so anyone who anyone who's had a stroke recently and they have not established care with a neurologist, or if they've had a history of stroke in the past and they have not established care with a vascular or stroke neurologist, those persons would would definitely uh, benefit from uh, from making an appointment with us. Once again, call Summa Health Stroke Center, 330-375-7055 to make an appointment. Dr. Medea Hepburn, thank you so much for being with us here this evening on W1R Kent Akron, and hope you have a very enjoyable holiday weekend. Oh, thank you so much, Bob, and to you too. I'm Mr. Sunday, Bob Lewis.